Father, I thank you for uh, these moments. Um, Father, in a season, and a lengthy season of disappointment and discouragement and uncertainty, God, it feels so easy for our hearts to grow cold and hard. Thank you for moments like this where you just come in, in, in the tender way that you do and just soften our hearts. And God, I'm praying that that's, that's what you're doing, right? Among all of us, God, have been in the atmosphere of this time, whether it's here or online. And so, Jesus, would you just continue to soften our hearts? And we acknowledge where you've seated us. We acknowledge where you invite us, God, to soar with you. Said that we're seated with in the heavenly places, God, and we pray, God, that you give us that strength that we need to take our place there. And yeah, God, so resonate with what Jenna shared, and thank you that you have placed something within us, God, to continue to, to fight, to pursue you, to. lift our heads, to lift our eyes. So God, would you continue to speak, Holy Spirit, I'm so aware of the need for you right now, and uh, so would you continue to move among us, we pray. Amen. And bless you guys. Thanks for, thanks for that, Paul and uh, Jason. Thanks, Janet. Uh, let me read. Let me read Matthew five. Let me read where we've been over the last number of months, uh, and then I want us just to just to consider um, verse thirteen this morning. Um, I feel like there's lots to say, uh, and not a whole lot of time to say it. But let's go for it. Uh, when he saw the crowds, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, when he saw the crowds, he went up to a mount, on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, began to teach the whole crowd, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Just really quickly, I know David has already mentioned it, uh, but I would love it if you were free tonight uh, at half seven to half eight to join us with thousands of others across 
the world as we stand with our brothers and sisters. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't want to take light of what's going on in your life and in your situation, but sometimes it is really helpful and I think healthy. It is for me anyway, just to, to shift perspective, just to, to, to come away from our own worlds and see what's going on. I think it is a helpful, healthy practice. And so I would really encourage you to join with us and many others tonight. Um, so Jesus uh, has given us a description. We've said this so many times. He has given us a description of what the kingdom life looks like. This is not a list of things that we do in order to, to get the kingdom. This is a description of what the kingdom life looks like. It is fully, perfectly, beautifully illustrated in the life of Jesus as we follow him throughout uh, the gospel stories. And then... It is presented here as the anticipation. It is the anticipation that his followers would then live the same, that their lives would look the same. And so it's really important that we hear that Jesus is speaking to this crowd. This is a crowd of ordinary people. This is a crowd of average people. This is a crowd of still working things out type of people. And I like that because that is, I'm in that category I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but um, we're, we're ordinary people, still working it out type of people. And Jesus speaks these words to this crowd. And I say that all from the point of, to, to remind you that as he says all of this, if your Bible is anything like mine, you will have little subtitles the whole way through this uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's not the way it happened. And so in the same way that I would encourage you whenever you get one of Peter's or Paul's or John's letters, that you read them through in their entirety to hear what they're saying, I would be suggesting the same thing for what Jesus preaches on this mountaintop. You want to hear all that he has to say. It's, Jesus didn't subtitle it, divide it off into a sermon series. Jesus was preaching this in its entirety. So there was no break in between the Beatitudes and what Jesus says next. And so what he says after his description of the kingdom to this ordinary, still working it out people is that you are the salt of the earth. Matthew 5 verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And so I think this is important. Think, and I think we've been here before. I think you'll have heard this preached many times. I would love, I, I'm always like, always feel like I'm trying, I'm, I succumb to the temptation of wanting to say something new. And I'm not sure I am going to this morning. But bear with me anyway. Hang in there. You are the salt of the earth. This is uh, what we want to look at this morning. And the reality is, the truth is, is that we cannot be salt and light if we withdraw from the darkness and decay of the world. And it's important to say that. We cannot be the salt of the earth if we withdraw from the decay of the world. We cannot be the light of the world if we withdraw from the darkness of the world. And I read a, I read a comment on Twitter last night and this guy said, I fear the church has become salt and light to itself and not the world as it was called to. 
it struck me that. It's like, it struck me because how often is it, is like, is that true? I, like, I want to fight against that, but often as I think of the church, I fear it has become salt and light to itself and not the world as it was called to. Which is why I've come to dislike the kids' song that I sang every week of my life growing up, you in your small corner and I in mine. That's, I'm not sure that came from the Bible. Um, and so the cruciform way of Jesus, we talked about what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said uh, as he reflected on the Beatitudes. He said this is, was for the community of the crucified. This was, this was speaking to the community of the crucified and the, the cruciform way of Jesus is what makes us salt to the earth. The cruciform way of Jesus is what makes us salt to the earth. And so that's why it's important we hear this, not just as a separate sermon, but in light of what we've looked at in the weeks previous. Because you cannot be the salt of the earth if you're not meek, if you're not merciful, if you're not mourning. You cannot be the salt of the earth if you're not any of those things that we've talked about any of those kingdom descriptive language that we've talked about, you cannot be the salt of the earth if you're not the things that we've already talked about. And it feels to me, and, so, and, and many people have said it before, that these few verses, Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verse 13 through to 17, feel like a linchpin in the sermon that Jesus preaches. Because the first, those, those, those uh, beatitudes that we've already looked at, this is what it is, this is what it looks, this is the being of the kingdom, and then we are, it's almost like after these few verses from Matthew 5, verse 17 onwards, uh, Jesus then gives us examples of the life that he is calling us to. Just like we have the being, and then we have the doing, and in between we have this linchpin of the sermon, this thing that seems to connect it together. And so we want to talk for a few minutes I am conscious of time, don't worry. I'll not go over. There's more to say. We can pick this up. But let me ju let's just talk about salt for a moment. Incredibly exciting subject, salt. And again, this is stuff that you will have heard. You will know this, I'm sure. But in the ancient world, there was no refrigeration. And so because there was no refrigeration, salt was incredibly important. Salt was used to preserve, and it was used to protect from decay. So whenever I was considering that, so I know, like I've heard that before, it becomes like one of those things that you know, one of those bits of information that you know, but well, what are you going to do with it? Like, how do you think that through? What was it then that Jesus was saying? What was it that he was wanting to communicate when he was calling us the salt of the earth? What is it that we are preserving? What is it that, that I am being called as the salt of the earth to preserve and to protect? And so this is what I find myself asking throughout the week. Am I called to preserve and protect the, the, our traditions? Am I, am I called to, to preserve and protect morality? Is my role as the, as the salt of the earth to be a moral policeman, to be the moral guardian to the earth? I think in some ways that's maybe what I would have assumed. Without thinking it through too much, I would have assumed I'm here to preserve and protect morality and, and traditions just not sure is that what Jesus was preserving. 
I'm not sure if that's what Jesus was protecting. Because when it comes to traditions, Jesus came and he, like, he just turned it all on its head. I don't think we can say that Jesus came to preserve the traditions because he came and, and, and turned everything on its head. He said, you've heard the tradition, you've heard that it was said, but, but this is what I say. Turn it all on its head. So I don't think he was there to preserve tradition. It doesn't feel like he was there to be a moral policeman. Because the people that surrounded him, the people that felt comfortable in his presence were some of the most immoral people in society. So I'm not sure Jesus found himself there preserving and protecting morality necessarily. What I do believe in light of what we've talked about previously, in light of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and also in light of, the, of what Jesus says in Luke 4, what he came to bring. He came to, he came to open the eyes of the blind. He came to, bring the, to bring the, set the captives free, release the oppressed, proclaim the good news to the poor. That is... Uh, that is what we see often in what Jesus says and in what he does. And so what I am, would want to be suggesting this morning is that Jesus was preserving and protecting people's worth. So when it comes to the idea of being the salt of the earth, what was Jesus preserving and protecting? I think he was preserving and protecting the worth of people because that's what we see. That is the thread that runs throughout his whole life and it is ultimately what he revealed on the cross. The whole way through his life, he, he pres was preserving and protecting the worth of everyone. And that was most clearly demonstrated when he gave his life on the cross, even for his enemies. He reveals that you are worth me giving my life for. And that's for everyone. And so I think the whole way through Jesus' ministry and what he would be wanting and anticipating his followers to replicate was that we would also preserve and protect people's worth. And I say this with increasing confidence, especially when I look at Jesus, at what he does and how he interacts in, the, in Luke's gospel, especially. We could go to any of the gospels, but in Luke in particular, he went anywhere with anyone. Tax collectors and prostitutes, they wanted to be around Jesus. And I find people that we, we would classify as immoral or whatever language or label we put on people. They, they don't want to be around people that cast judgment. They don't want to be around people that are there as some sort of moral guardian, preserving morality or preserving traditions. But there was something about Jesus that these people were constantly drawn towards because his love was revolutionary. It truly was revolutionary love that Jesus was, um, was, was shown as the example for us to imitate. And I want to suggest to you this morning that our job as the salt of the earth is to preserve that worth in the same way that Jesus did. And so it's why fostering an adoption is a really, really important subject for us. Because it's not just something that we do as some sort of humanitarian response or some sort of nice thing to do we are saying you are worth you are worth bringing into our lives Katie you are worth bringing into our lives bringing into our homes for all those kids that are in need of a home right now what we're wanting to communicate is that you are worth no matter what you've done no matter what your background has been you are worth bringing into our lives you are worth whether no matter the unsettling 
that it can cause you are worth it. And we, like that goes right across the board. Whether it's people struggling with addiction, you are worth hanging in for. Whether it's people struggling with, like, with, with whatever brokenness, whatever difficulty going on in their lives, what we're communicating as the salt of the earth is that you are worth us hanging in for. You are worth hanging in for. You are worth us. You are worth bringing into our lives, bringing into our homes, extending our tables, opening our hearts. You're worth it. And as the salt of the earth, it's our job to preserve and protect that. Preserve and protect and try to, I try to uh, make everything start with P, but I couldn't do it, but this next one does. Proximity. It's really... Uh, again, you'll know this salt has to be in contact with the food that it is preserving. Again, you and your small corner and, my, and I and mine's not going to work. The food over here and the salt over there is pointless. What's the, what is the point in that? Salt has to be in contact with the food that it is preserving. And so for us, as the salt of the earth, it's the same thing. And what grieves me often and actually even in my own life, in my own response to certain situations, is that how, how uh, we can so often, we're so often tempted to go down the road of isolation. We're so often tempted to go down the road of separating ourselves from the world. And that's why I think it's a legitimate fear that the church has become salt and light to itself. We cannot preserve, protect, be salt to the earth at a distance, separated in isolation. If we're going to do any good at all, we have to be in contact. This is hard, this is hard to sell where we're in the <laughs> socially distancing, um, keeping two meter distance and all of that. Um, I know that. Uh, so for a moment, pretend that we're not in the middle of a global pandemic. Be in contact with anyone. Get close. Get really, really close. Um, and don't take that sound bite out of what I'm preaching and... and uh, plaster that over the internet. If we're going to do any good, we have to be in contact. See, Jesus, he like, fascinates me. He's incredible. He's astounding. He is, and I watch him get involved. He gets himself right into the mix. He gets himself fully engaged, fully involved in the mix, in the mess, because he knows that that's what's going to preserve and protect. And he's wanting us to follow in the same, with that same example, imitating him. Um, and so this is the one thing, and I'm going to finish up with this. This is the, this is the one thing that I've thought over the last few days that, that might be new. It felt like it was a bit of revelation for me. You've, you've probably worked this out before, but humor me for a few minutes. Salt brings out the flavor. See, I, I think I always assumed that our job as the salt of the earth was to go and bring flavor to. That we would come with our programs, that we would come with our events, that we would come with our ideas and all of that, and we would bring flavor to the world. I'm not so sure that is what salt does. So people who are wiser than me, like, contradict me here if I'm, if I'm wrong, but our job the same way that salt is is to enhance what is already there. Is that wrong? Is that like anybody want to correct me before I keep going? 
case I've missed this. David, see your hands. Was that wrong? Oh, Joshy, what's wrong with that? <laughs> what does salt do? Is it, it's, it's, I think it seems to me that, that salt enhances the flavor that is already there. And that mightn't seem like a big difference, but in my head at the minute, it is. It's a really big difference. Because we're actually we're acknowledging that there is already worth there. We're acknowledging that, that people are all, everyone is created in his image. And so our job is to enhance what is already there. It's to call out what is already inherently in people. And so we've assumed, I've done this, we've assumed that we know what people need. And so as we, we moved back to Rich Hill six years ago, and, uh, and we, we moved to the recreation center as church, and we, we tried to do some things, and we, we, it was felt a wee bit that it was built on the assumption that we know what people need. And I think it's a proximity thing. I think because we weren't close enough, the reality is that we don't know what, we need, what they need. Unless we're close enough, unless we're... We're right in amongst the mess and in amongst the mix. We don't know what people need. We've been too distant and we've been too separate. And I was saying to a couple of the guys, whatever, we're having coffee this morning, that it feels to me that there is a huge difference between doing stuff with our community as opposed to doing stuff for our community. For me, the difference has been is we're, we're planning a few, we're, we're, we're showing our, we're having our first drive-in movie event here on, on Saturday. There's another few events that we're doing over Christmas, and we're doing it with other community groups that are uh, a part of this village. And I have loved that. I feel like it's brought some life because it's just great to be around other people that just love this place as much as I do. And so to be around, say, what can we do? What what can we pull together to just to give our families and our kids a good time over Christmas? And so to do stuff with our community as opposed to just putting on an event for them has felt different for me. And I think that that is important for us all to consider. See, we're all made in his image. We, like, I want to keep going back to there. Sometimes our theologies in the West, anyway, start at Genesis 3, the fall that inherently we're bad, inherently we're sinners. From the beginning, we were made in his image and he said it was good. And I know that we've fallen, and I know that sin is real. I'm not like, don't mishear me, but we're all made in his image. That was our, before there was original sin, there was original blessing. We're made in his image, and so our job as the salt of the earth is to bring out the flavor that's already there. And I love this, and I think we can often forget this, especially over the last number of months. God is at work. Sometimes it takes an extra bit of faith to acknowledge, God, you're still at work. Feels real. Sometimes it feels really hard to see it, but I know because I trust Jesus when he said in John 5 that you're always at work. You're at work everywhere. And if I believe Acts 17, what Paul said to the, to the people in Athens, that, that he is not far from any one of us. He's not far from any one of us. And so often we've, we... we we think that there is people within our communities that are so far from God. It's not true because if we believe what Paul said, he's not far from any one of us. And so our job is to get really close in order to call out what is already there, in order to enhance the flavor that's already there. And we, 
See, what's incredible about this is that we get to partner with what he's already doing. Stuns me every time. God is at work everywhere, all the time. We have this opportunity as the salt of the earth to partner with what he is already doing. He is not far from any one of us. And so I think our job is to preserve and protect the worth of everyone. I think it's our job to get really close to anyone at any time in order to enhance and bring out the flavor that's already there. I think that's what Jesus communicated through his life. And I think that's why this, these verses here as a linchpin of this sermon are really important for what he continues to communicate through his words and through the ways that he goes about life. And I have to acknowledge just really quickly that it does say, what if it loses its saltiness? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out with the rest of the muck and people will just walk on it. And so in the ancient world, the, the salt was transported in carts or, I don't know what it was, some sort of cart. And so the chances were that, that, that in amongst all the salt, there would have been other muck and dirt. And so, so Jesus is saying, once that happens, like once, once the muck gets mixed in with all of the salt, it becomes worthless. Doesn't, it, it's not able to do its job. And I think that's important just to say, because I'm aware that there's so many theories and conspiracies and all sorts of isms out there at the minute, and we can get so mixed up with that. We can, become, we can get so polluted by some of the unhealthy stuff that's out there that we end up becoming salt, that it's lost its saltiness. What good is that? We're called... We're called to love in the way that he loves and we end up getting sucked into all sorts of other things that should, we shouldn't be getting involved in. There are conversations, there are debates, like if you want to have them, but don't get so polluted by them. Don't allow them to dilute the salt that you are. And I think that's why, why James says, the half-brother of Jesus, why he says uh, at the end of chapter one, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it is. Look after the orphan and the widow. So he's saying, I think he's saying, similar to what Jesus is saying here, preserve and protect the worth of the, the rejected and the isolated and the lonely. Preserve and protect their worth and get close enough to them. Open your homes and your lives to them and bring out the flavor that's already there. And then he finishes off, James, by saying, and don't get yourselves polluted by the world. Do that. Keep giving yourself to that and don't get involved in other, all of the other stuff, all of the other rubbish that will take your attention, that will distract you from the calling that has been placed on your life. And so I am conscious that when it comes to the salt of the earth, you've heard something, you've heard much of that before, but I hope there is something, there is something fresh that we can continue to wrestle through with as as church, as family, uh, because it's not easy. It's not like it's not an easy thing to fully follow in the ways of Jesus, and it's why we need community. It's why we need one another, and um, and so let's continue to to work this out. Continue to wrestle through this together. Um, let me pray, Father. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word, Jesus. We are Jesus. I pray that this afternoon. 
in light of what we've been talking about, that our eyes would be fixed on you, Jesus. That you would give us moments, you would give us time throughout this day, that just for a while, that our eyes would be fixed on you, Jesus. And we would watch you, that we would listen to you, and we would, um, as we just become fixated with your words and your ways, Jesus, that you would do something in our hearts. You would continue to soften our hearts. Continue to allow us to see how you see. God, allow us to see as we are seated with you. God, I pray that you would allow us to see ourselves the way that you see us, but you would also allow us to see others the way that you see us, see them. And so, God, we, we are aware that that is going to involve risk. We're aware that that can unsettle our lives whenever we begin to see people how you see them. It'll do something to our hearts. It'll do something to us. We even get a glimpse of how you see us, no matter who we are. We could get a glimpse of how you see us and how you love us and how you're for us. God, it would change us. It would change how that we spend the rest of our day, never mind the rest of our lives. God, and so we, um, we just want to commit ourselves to you today. And um, Jesus, would you bless each one of us? Thank you for each person that's in this room. God, I thank you that there's so much that I don't know, but I thank you with 100% confidence. I can say that they are of incredible, infinite, unsurpassable worth. Created in your image, worth you giving your life for in order for each one of us to find joy and meaning and life. So bless us, God, and bless those who have been listening in. Pray that you would encourage them, that the presence of the Lord would, would meet with them in their homes or wherever they're at. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, that you're good. And uh, yeah, so bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. If you can, the rain has stopped. But be praying for us this week for all that's going on and uh, the event that's coming up next Saturday. Just be praying about that. Um, it'll just be a good, good day.